0: Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic: The Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike on the line with me, enjoying the soothing tones of his neighbor weed eating. My good buddy and producer extraordinaire Cameron McCoy. Dude, how you doing?
1: It sounds like a whale is giving birth right now. <laughs> it's
0: like, <laughs> I mean, is is this like is this sucker diesel powered? This, this hey, weed
1: It's something like that. That's like. It's got to be effective. That's what I think.
0: <laughs> right on, right on. So, uh, outside of weed eater talk, we are doing an official. Uh, I don't know if you want to put it right here. Big. Um, which was kind of a surprise. Uh, Watsy heard me complaining about the dearth of uh, show content for competitive players. <laughs> And they bestowed onto us a gift. I think there are two very different kind of discussions to have here. Um, and just full disclosure, you've clearly played this format a lot more than me this week, uh, post-ban. Uh, so I definitely want to get your uh, reaction. So just Winota, Shum the Door and Pioneer, no one is sad, right? Mm-hmm. I did see some people on Twitter post that I bought Winotas and I can't believe that they banned this deck. Again, <laughs> how you didn't see this one coming. Borrowed time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one should have been on your radar. Uh, and then also expressive iteration. Um, so interesting. So, Cameron, let's let's start off with Winota because I think there's probably the least to say. I would assume mm. you're happy about that because you has sent me multiple texts complaining about Winoda in the past. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, I guess I, I don't think this is a surprise. I mean, like, I think literally last week we were talking about, like, improvements to Pioneer. Number one on my line item was Winota. Uh, so here we are, and I'm, I'm actually really happy about it. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um... You know, I, I, they made that announcement. Whenever they ab- banned Winota in Explorer and they were talking about, like, just you wait until this fall. We have, like, all this new stuff coming out that will address that. Uh, whatever they have, that's great. But also, like, you know, there's a turn four where you can put 16 power on the battlefield. Um, and mm-hmm. so, like regardless of like whatever the new tech is i think the card itself was just poorly designed to begin with and i'm just glad to see it out the door
0: yes agreed (laughs) i don't like that card i almost exclusively play decks that are good against that card and i still i don't like the effect it has on metagames and to me collected company exists in a slightly different bucket I understand people's concerns about like collected company. I just I think Winota is just much more explosive <laughs> uh, in the damage outputs and much more ruinous to actual mid range. Which I would argue that collected company decks tend to behave like actual mid range decks, and you can actually beat them with a mid range deck. Whereas Winota, it's a much, much, much taller order to just show up to, with Jund mm-hmm. and assume you are going to beat Winota. So. Expressive iteration, I think, is the more interesting one to discuss. Um, talk to me about that, and also in the context of you playing, Pi- or I should say, Explorer this week, mm-hmm. and really getting a feel for the meta game post expressive iteration. Uh,
1: so this actually came as a surprise. I was not th- out of all the cards in the uh, Pioneer pool. Uh, expressive iteration was probably like the one that. As far as, like, the really good cards, um, I didn't see coming. Um, It is an engine, though, um, and they know better than I do as far as, like, what is coming up in the future that could be problematic. Um, An expressive iteration is just one of those things where two mana mana—it's essentially a, a two for one, right? I mean, like, you're able to put two cards into your hand for two mana, which is not nothing. Um and it you know, and on top of it just being able to put something into the yard, which is also um is it a graveyard or man, now I can't remember. Back into your library. Now I can't remember. One goes
0: into your library, one goes into exile, one goes into your hand. Thank you. So anyway, regardless,
1: super powerful effect for like what it is. Um I did see this as a surprise though. I wasn't just because something like Phoenix hasn't been that I mean, it's around. It's a very, very good deck, but if we look at like MTG Goldfish, th- I mean, it's not putting up that many results in both Explorer and then also Pioneer. So I, I just thought that it was a surprise. Um, they probably know that the results are like, like um, the variance is actually a lot better with something like Expressive Iteration, especially with something like Phoenix.
0: So i i here here's my overall takeaway on balance this is probably a good thing um expressive iteration is the kind of card i like to play sure and that 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 is kind of like you know i have this kind of uh bias towards this style of card it is very much like the thing that you should be doing in multiple formats um We could talk about this in Standard, too, because I think there does need to be, you know, a way of reflecting on expressive iteration in multiple formats. Um, In Legacy, it's a banana's good, right? Mm -hmm. And yet another, like, thing in the the stocking of, or I should say the stockpile, the armory of Blue Red, which just seems to never, ever, ever stop. Yeah. Right? Um, Whereas, you know, Modern... I, I know that there is a diversity of modern decks or whatever, but it's unthinkable to me that not only would you play something like Phoenix with expressive iteration, but just control. Like, it's just too good in control to almost always guarantee a land drop post-turn three, yeah. right? Be, it kind of is a brainstorm light effect whenever you don't have a fetch because you're using one card to gain two cards to get the thing that you need. Yeah. Yes, there are weird case scenarios where you don't hit a land, or you end up having to exile a counter spell that you're not going to use, and like. Mm-hmm. So yes, sometimes it doesn't pay off, but almost always a spell goes to your hand, a land goes into exile, and it's just hyper, hyper, hyper consistent. Yeah. With four almost of, no penalty. Four
1: of in like the Jeskai control list in Legacy. It's a four of.
0: Yeah. 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 And. It's just, it's hard to dispute the overall power level of it, Um, you know, and look, Ragavan decks, Merktide region decks, whatever you want to call them, the blue-red version uh, in Modern, that if I were to play a Modern tournament tomorrow, gun to my head, I would almost certainly play, you know, some kind of tempo blue-red thing. Um, It's the same, you know, it's the same tune. Uh, It's just this card is so far above the mean in terms of power level that I understand what they're doing with it. And when you're talking about a format without fetch lands, it kind of provided a lot of stability to some of these decks. Um, That being said, I think the takeaway is this makes... You know, you talked about it hurting Phoenix. Uh, I think Grixis is the one that gets hurt Mm -hmm. the hardest. I was talking about the that Grixis deck last week the Nicole Bolas like where you play both the Planeswalker and the creature. Um, that deck relied on expressive iteration. I mean it was a four expressive iteration four thoughtsies, you know. The the surrounding cards around those things yeah can kind of be whatever. Um but this benefits again the kind of decks that you and I like to play. So things like sphinx's rev things like um behold the multiverse you know um these kind of draw card spells become a lot a lot better now because it used to be you should play expressive iteration end of story right and also like there's all these other things like with five mana fairy, expressive iteration is very dumb like you know there's just all these different ways to leverage it to where you can get way behind So I'm fine with it being gone. I don't know what Explorer looks like now, though. Like, and this is where I want to get into you, because you actually played in... Now, describe these events, dude, because I just, I'm Mr. Ladder Play. Mm -hmm. I don't play any of the events. I just grind ladder. I'm somewhere in the Platinums now. Explain to me how you do these things, because I guess I've done draft events. Yeah,
1: yeah. So this event, like, uh, it was a like, you essentially play until you lose two or win seven. Um, and you get a qualifier token that allows you to then play a best of three. So it was Explorer. It was a best of one. Um And I, I honestly, beyond what happens after next week with the best of three, I don't know what goes on beyond that. I just signed up for a tournament and kind of wanted to treat it kind of like I would a paper tournament. And so that's mm-hmm. what I did. Um I went with this blue-white control list that I've been running and went 7-0 and, like, went undefeated. But um, I did not see any Phoenix. You know, obviously I didn't see any, like, expressive iteration decks. But, I mean, it was mainly um, tons and tons and tons of the black-red mid-range deck and Esper Grease Fang, which when, like, my my deck is running main deck graveyard hate um, can really shut those decks down.
0: So so I'm going to pull up the list here on my phone. Cause I, so you saying best of one automatically made me go, I'll probably never do that.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> because it qualifies as... you for the best of three.
0: So also for the record, I did send you a Katy Perry music video in form of congratulations. I did. For those that. of you new to the show, um, <laughs> we used to play roar every time Cameron would, would, would go above the McCoy line, which means he won more than half of his games. <laughs> So I see you're you're rocking a companion, not Yorian, mm-hmm. uh, but good old uh, Kihira, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the 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 one that just ends up in all the control li- list just because it's right? a creature, yeah. And interestingly, this seems like a very creature removal heavy variation on control, right? You do have looks like three absorbs and a couple of Dovin's Vitos, but four otherworldly light. Uh, two Fateful Absences, three Shattered the Sky, so you are looking to remove some things here.
1: You're just removing everything. You just hold on till your life till you get to, even if it's two life, that's all you're trying to do.
0: So what was the way that you primarily won these games? Did you just like basically wrap the board? Because these are all Honestly, like best yeah, of one, yeah, I shot. mean,
1: if you're playing against a Grease Fang deck, you just hold up no matter what with Otherworldly Light until they play a Grease Fang. And then you just exile it before they can activate it on their attack step, right? So Grease Fang is very similar to Winota, but it just feels like I know what's coming up. Where, like, Winota was always, like, that die roll of, like, I do I let the Winota just go? Or, you know, all those things. But, like, it being a three of instead of a four of for for Otherworldly Light, that really does make a huge difference. I just always leave mana up and then exile the Grease Fang, and they do nothing. So like that, like you know, like that's what you always do if you're playing like any of like the green red or red white where they're super wide. You're hanging until your life till you get your Shatter Storm or um, Shattering Storm or whatever it's called. The the four mana Wrath.
0: I. I have not been really excited by this deck. And again, I think it's just the kind of decks that we play. Mm -hmm. Um, But the big difference to me is, like, if Grease Fang doesn't do its thing, you really only have to worry about, like, if they're playing Ledger Shredder or if they're the black-red version of the Kroxa or whatever. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these things, like, okay, you're going to put in a giant vehicle. Cool. Yeah. And, I mean... Like you, I was just kind of underwhelmed by it and then you know, the aptly named farewell really does a number on a Grease Fang deck. Like, oh my god, it's so brutal, right? Um Yeah, dude, so you're you've you seven and owed this. Congratulations. So next week you're playing a best of three thing. Yeah. And is there like a time that you have to sign up for it and all that? Uh, what I Yeah, I can't
1: remember what the date is. It's like June 18th, and then you have essentially 48 hours to play through the tournament. So, you know, plenty of time. And there's a lot of things that I, I need to improve on. Like, we need to talk about why are people playing Jawari Disruption? And I put that in my deck. That is just a come-into-play tapped blue land like that's all it does for me because like the gotcha moments are so few and far between i find that to just be hot garbage and i think it would probably be smarter to play like like something else that might be a dead card like disdainable stroke because at least in late game that's better than a jawari disruption you know like so i'm really like that's a definite flex spot for me as far as like uh what what i should be putting in something like this uh to be competitive next week?
0: Yeah, I... In standard, I I kind of accept it as part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but people play into it a lot more often. The The problem with Explorer is when you're playing against some of these aggro decks, once they're it's on their radar, it's not really that hard for them to play around. Mm-hmm. And I would also say, like, a lot of times because the creatures are so good and efficient, that, like you know, they might just play a couple one-drops and, okay, you got one of them, mm-hmm. right? But it's just, like, on the efficiency scale, it's not great. Now, there is a much bigger, longer discussion to go through about, like, okay, well, what if these replace lands? Then what does that look like? And I, I think the problem... Yeah, I think the problem with that logic is, when you're, in my experience, and, and again, I'm playing the Yorian Asper version in Explore, um, lands coming into play tapped is a massive problem. Like, Mm -hmm. you just cannot. You cannot, cannot, cannot. Every turn you need to be interacting with the Yagra decks or you are really dead. Dead. Yeah. Most notably because many of them are are Thotsie's decks. And because of this, you can't say, oh, well, I'll wait to turn on this Wrath because it very likely will be ripped out of your hand. Um, The question is, do they have the duress? The answer is almost always yes. Um, I find that to be... uh, (laughs) a feature of both Explorer and Standard right now. Um, but, yeah, dude, I I have not experimented, experimented enough with Explorer to, like, give you a re- – I know this is a horrible show host thing to do. <laughs> New band cards come out, and I'm just too drawn into Standard. So yeah. I literally spent five, six hours this week, post-band announcement, just playing Standard.
1: There's nothing wrong with that, dude a good format.
0: (laughs) I think the standard is really good. It is also very much me in that, and I talked about this last week, it's all about the powerful cards, not the archetypes. So, unfortunately, if we're being really honest with each other, expressive iteration is...
1: I'm keeping this all on the show.
0: (laughs) That is the first time in 400 somewhat episodes I've ever been interrupted by a weed eater. (laughs) What is that thing? Industrial. (laughs) Sounds like it's been made by the aliens from War of the Worlds. Like, what in the world, dude? (laughs) Is he trimming some trees with that thing?
1: <laughs>
0: you got me, man. Oh my God! All right so <clears throat> standard standard standard, so expressive iteration, I think is uh like if you if you're being smart, if you're doing it right, you need to be playing an expressive iteration uh uh deck. You probably should be playing the Kikijiki saga as well like those two cards are both in uh the uh grixis vampires they're both in hinata they're both in uh is it drag like those are the engines that drive those decks because i'm a foolish uh and stubborn man i decided to play the blue white control decks have you seen these cameron
1: um they've floated up in my feed every once in a while yeah have you
0: have you seen this deck? Have you heard about this deck? <laughs> um, and, dude, they are. It, it is not a good enough deck. Like, it is specifically pretty good against. And I mean, like fifty one percent good against <laughs> Grixis vampires, and like probably fifty one percent against Jeskai Hinata. Almost everything else terrible. <laughs> as soon as you're in a Seekas Chariot deck, I'm in huge trouble. As soon as you got Planeswalkers, I'm in huge trouble. As for mid range, can't keep up with it. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm playing like a silly amount of Doom Scars and Farewells. The new Teferi, I think, is total trash. For some reason, it's in this deck. Um, however, it is playing some interesting stuff. Like, there is the... Um, Oh man, I can't believe I can't remember this creature or the planeswalker, the blue-white planeswalker that creates shard tokens, um, is mm. in this deck, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's actually not been bad. Um, well, this deck has completely fallen off. It is not registering on the metagame breakdown. <laughs> so. so anyway, it is a you play a certain number of wraths, counter spells memory deluge and then you play the is a mordekin the six mana blue planeswalker that lets you draw two cards with its plus and then you put one from your hand at the bottom of your deck um and i've had immense fun with this deck i will tell you dude i think there are many many decks in this format that i think are very playable and can take down a tournament uh Like any deck with the, you know, the Omnixilis stuff, right? Like a Jund Omnixilis deck, that doesn't play many of the cards that I was just talking about. Still super good, can really get the job done. There are just, you know, mono green aggro decks that are more than fine. You can do really well with mono green and mono white, they are fine. However, right now, as we are sitting here, Hinata and Grixis Vampires are easily the best two decks. They have, I mean, Hanada's top end, that nobody is touching. And then with Grixis Vampires, you get into these matchups with this deck where they draw an absurd number of cards for a tempo deck. Between, you know, their uh, Saga of the Mirror Breaker, plus just all, you know, they have the Blood Tithe Harvester where they can loot, right? They have uh, the Evelyn, which is their you know flash vampire that they can exile a card like on and on and on i i was in this like long play matchup with this grixis vampires deck grixis mid-range and i had looked and you know uh it was like halfway through deck and keep in mind i'm on blue white okay blue white planeswalker control they had drawn like nine more cards than me dang right like it is super good it is super good. And again, you know they, they come packing these duress effects, which tend to get much, much better as you're able to loot through your deck. So if you're against the Jeskai guyata deck and you have something like ray of enfeeblement, which is dead-ish or voltaic surge, which is dead-ish against that deck, and you need to get to a duress effect to get their opus out, like you can just loot and draw and loot and draw, and eventually you get there, right? Uh, and the wrath effects tend to not do much. The mana is also really supportive of all these archetypes, but I would just say the removal at this point is so good that Naya is the big loser here, mm. right? Like, you just can't invest into a dude with people that like this, you know, the runeforge Champion or whatever when people are main decking Ray of Enfeeblement. Like, it's just not a workable strategy anymore. So that's the one I would tell people to get off of. If you're on that, maybe look at mono white or mono green. That might be more your style. Uh, but this standard has moved a little bit, yeah, it over really the course has. of those three or four weeks, and really shown some legs. The skill, the skill ceiling is really high. I've been worked over by some really good players that knew their decks better than I did. So I know you're like knee deep in Explorer, and just because you got this tournament next weekend, you are like priced into. You have got to play test some explore, right? Absolutely. Um, but just know that Standard's there waiting for you. Uh, any thoughts on Standard before we move into our other stuff, Cameron? No, like what you said, like
1: um, this Standard compared to what it was three weeks ago, holy cow, it feels like new cards have been introduced. Um, it's like a completely new format. It's
0: crazy. Yeah, and, and like another sign that it's good is like there's just these really cool like one or two ofs, right? Like... um, Soul Transfer, which allows you to like exile a target uh, creature or planeswalker, or you can get one out of your graveyard. Like the Grixis vampires tend to play one of those, and you find yourself thinking about like, okay, if they have one of those, do I need to cast Farewell and nuke their yard? Mm. But that also nukes my Memory Deluge. Like there's all these kind of like nice decision trees. It's not, you know, do I set up my combo faster than you? Hi-ya. Yeah, and I just I can't recommend the standard enough. I know it's really cool to hate on standard, but this has been the best it's been in. <laughs> I think since I played Esper Hero, holy cow!
1: And they didn't even have to change the the words on the te- like on the on the card. Like it's incredible. Like it's, Bravo yeah.
0: Wizards. Yep, 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 yep. So, um, and by the way, I've. I didn't play S for mid range this week. I think that deck is super medium, um, but it is it is a fun fun deck to pilot. So, um, all right, Cameron, let's get out of the segment. And come back and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron. So we only show up with again takes on the freshest of games. So, God of War 2018 is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> You are you got this on PC. You uh you decided to be a PC player and now Sony's coming to you. It's really amazing your luck, by the way, that this just happens (laughs) to you. So um but which by the way, you did play Bloodborne, right? You did
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um really, really, really enjoyed Bloodborne. Um was surprised the direction that it went. Like I like as far I from software games like I'm not in it for the story, like I I, mm-hmm. I am, but like I don't follow like the lore, right? Right. Um, but this one like really intrigued me, where I actually sat and watched a couple of YouTube videos just about the lore specifically because it really did throw me for a loop as far as like the direction it went. Really good game. Still it's kind yeah, of not Sekiro, but good.
0: Yeah, Sekiro is my favorite story that they've ever done. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's kind of astonishing that there's not a sequel. Like Yeah, yeah, seriously. I, I I would love to know what exactly happened there. But anyway, uh, so you're playing God of War on PC. I guess I didn't realize this this had already come out. I know Spider-Man's coming out on PC as well. So yeah. lots of Sony stuff is is headed your way. Lots um, of Sony stuff. Uh God
1: of War, it came out like in January. Um, so it's been out for a while. Oh, wow. Um and like I originally played it on my PlayStation for, you know, 1080, whatever actual pixel count they were doing. It wasn't a professional PlayStation 4, was it, <laughs> No, game it was not professional. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember, I think it was running at 30, but I couldn't tell you. Like, there's definitely points in that game where, like, the frame rate took a hit. Um, and it's still an incredible game. But this was on sale um through the epic game store so i picked it up and oh my gosh curtis have have you played this yet on the ps5
0: i literally booted up my save and looked at it yes okay um, which i believe it's 60 on a ps5 but okay. don't hold me to that
1: i'm averaging like 90 frames a second at 1440p on like this I've heard that it's not really graphics card intensive. It's really more like CPU intensive. Whatever it is, the PC combo, it runs like a dream. I've. This is like, seriously, like the first game, more than even something like Cyberpunk, where it was kind of jaw dropping uh, the frame rate and resolution on top of like what is like, you know, PlayStation's a game like this is like one yeah. of the best things you could be playing on a playstation and seeing it at like this fide- level of fidelity um i feel almost robbed playing through this game originally on the ps4 it was great and i'm super excited or whatever like this is clearly a first world problem but th- the level of fidelity on this at, on a pc is like nothing else and i can't wait to see like what other ps4 games if they all come out on the pc at some point holy cow sign me up because it's incredible i'm only like maybe an hour and a half two hours into it like it's god of war right like there's nothing new as far as like the story it's an incredible game if you haven't played it absolutely play this game it's like one of the best that you could have played from the last generation um but like like i said it just like jaw dropping as far as like that like that level of performance you get on the PC and seeing kind of like I, I would assume what the author's intent is of this game yeah. really makes it something special.
0: So I'm so excited for you when Last of Us Two comes out on PC mm. um, because I know you still have not played that. Yeah, and there are there are some very again the story is very polarizing. Um, it is you know dark. Uh, like, I love how they're, like, making an HBO show of The Last of Us, and I'm like, probably okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I don't know if I need to do that again. Um, but, like, you know, they're remaking the first one and putting it out on PC, and it's, like, cool. But the second one, I think, has certain sequences, moments that are, I mean, really have stuck with me. That are mm-hmm. really, 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 really something. And... I'm really excited for you to experience those on PC because even if you take out all the story stuff and kind of the dark tone of the game, which again, I thought was kind of oversold. I didn't think it was that. I mean, it's no more dark than something like cyberpunk just on a gameplay level. Some of the things that happened in that game were so far above what Naughty Dog's done for the past, like five or six years that it's just going to be amazing at that fidelity. Hmm. So, um, I'm really excited for you for that. Whereas, like, did you play Spider-Man? Uh
1: yeah, on the PS4. I played the the first Spider-Man. I haven't played any of the supplemental material or or Miles Morales. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Same. And so I was just gonna say, I think that is like one you could probably skip on PC if mm-hmm. you hadn't played it. Like it's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um so Cameron, I do want to mention I did catch up on Stranger Things. I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Except, can we please get an editor to edit some of these things down? The reveal at the end of the show went on for so long. Yeah, yeah. So long. It was so clear what was happening, but we still had to explain every solitary detail where they could have just shown you one image and then that could have been it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, the subtlety. And, again, Ronald Moore, lots of issues. And I still haven't seen For All Mankind. I didn't realize he did that. Um, But, like, that's something that Battlestar Galactica excelled at, was we are just going to show you one thing fast and not over-explain it. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, can you, uh, just to your point, can you imagine something like Usual Suspects, classic 90s indie film, has, like, a huge shocker of, like, uh, an ending, right? As far as, like... Who like this entire plot that's been weaved through the entire thing, and then they spend like five minutes explaining who Kaiser Soze was at the end. Like that's what that Stranger Ending like because I really really like and I don't want to harp too harshly on Stranger Things because I, I overall I have it was a good season. It. it was a yeah. good season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to your point, you don't need that. Much. I I'm glad you brought that up because it was kind of like a little. insulting to my intelligence yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah. Uh, i mean there's a moment at the end where they show you the tattoo and you're just like dude i know (laughs) i get it you've already said it out loud multiple times i got it i promise so yeah and by the way we do have a nasty habit of i think we really like things and then we pick the knit sure and it's so like obi-wan i really like that show man
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i'm gonna nitpick it like (laughs) trust me i'm gonna nitpick
0: (laughs) and yeah it just comes off we're being super i listened to one of our episodes and it's like oh man it sounds like we hated obi-wan i think it's been really good much better than boba fett and yeah i i've i've really had a good time with it i know people are like oh it's so you know star wars isn't special anymore it's like oh okay man i i just think it's a cool side story i'm digging it um but uh, there was another thing that we've been watching. Top Gun, which mm. I thought like I had, some, I had some issues with, but I really did like it. <laughs> sure. Um, though I didn't realize everyone over the age of 50 thinks it's the most important cinematic experience of their time. It's the
1: Citizen Kane I- of our time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I've had multiple people tell me they think it's one of the best movies ever, and I'm just like...
1: How many movies have you seen?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, again... I really like Top Gun Maverick. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah, But in talking to some of these people, Cameron, this is my segue, I've discovered that many of them have not watched the most recent two Mission Impossible movies. So here, here is my project for the week. So I, I am still playing Dragon's Dogma. Really liked it. I've decided to rewatch the, the Mission Impossible movies. I have a box set that I bought for like 20 bucks one time that has all the Blu-rays for all the movies. And the preview for, is it Dead Reckoning? Whatever Mission Impossible 7 is called. Yeah. uh, Is out. And so then I was like, okay. And in the trailer for this, the villain is from the first film. And so I was like, okay, well, I haven't seen Mission Impossible 1 probably since I was in high school. Mm -hmm. I remember him dangling from the ceiling, but that's it. I think I've seen him all in the theaters. I really have trouble coming up with a movie series that has gotten this much better as it's gone on. Because the first movie is okay. Cameron, the second movie was almost unwatchably bad. Like, terrible. Sorry, John Woo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever, like, if you've seen it recently. recently
1: saw it. We went through the entire thing, like, maybe three years ago. It's unwatchable. I think it's unwatchable.
0: Yeah. And uh then you have oh who's the villain for three? Is it Philip Seymour Hoffman? Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah. And he's unbelievable. But like the the especially the most recent two, which is Rogue Nation and Fallout, like once they kind of keyed into I would say this old bond energy, like the golden eye energy of it of like, mm. let's just do some set pieces, bro. Yeah. And there's something deliciously stupid about them. I really like them. And like, especially the most recent two, just because it is this exercise in action movie making. And it really feels like this last hurrah. Uh, We're going to do actual stunts. We're going to have car chases. We're going to do a close-up on a motorcycle, and you can see that this is, in fact, Tom Cruise not wearing a helmet, Dr- driving, I mean, even if he's driving 40 miles an hour, which I assure you he is not, it is an exercise in insanity. So, like, um, I couldn't, could I tell you what the villains are up to? No. Does it matter? Not really. No. But, I think that's true of almost every great action movie. hmm Right? To your point,
1: yeah, the plot is so ancillary to the set, set pieces. And the set pieces are so memorable. Like, I can't tell you anything about the Brad Bird fourth one, Ghost Protocol, mm. other than, like, that entire sequence where he's jumping out of the, uh, the giant building in the Mideast and scaling it. Incredible. Like, I, I absolutely thoroughly enjoy that. Couldn't tell you anything about the actual plot
0: of the movie. And it doesn't matter. No. Yeah. It's and, entertaining. And so, <laughs> in a weird way, it's kind of become, you know, and I love Marvel stuff, but it is just kind of this nice antithesis to it. You don't need prior knowledge. You don't need to know the ins and outs of the plots. There's not a lot of, you don't have to stay after the credits for a stinger. It's like, dude, what if we just had this dude hang from a helicopter for a minute? <laughs> cool i'm in and so but you know what i mean it kind of that late 80s early 90s james bond we are going to make an action spectacular right and man just a a fun rewatch. again i would recommend like if you if you only have time to watch two of them just watch the most recent two which is rogue nation and fallout fallout's the one with henry cavill so that's an easy like way to recognize what's going on but uh, some good f- dumb fun mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you can get a bowl of ice cream and enjoy tom cruise nearly killing himself over and over again right <laughs> so cameron if someone would like to uh explain the mission impossible plots to you where could they find you
1: please at cameron underscore mccoy on twitter <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i am at curtis now our official show feed is at spike feed mtg we'll check you guys next.
1: Has to, but like this is like industrial. I've n- never heard something so loud.
0: I can't believe it went through your yard, through your window, into your microphone, and into my ears. <laughs> like that is incredible, dude. Some loud wig whacking. I've literally. I've never heard a car go by your place on this podcast. None of that. No, yeah. I mean, like, I've
1: sat through thunderstorms where it's, I felt like it was louder than that. And, yeah. Wow. Unless he knows we're doing a podcast and he was, like, literally outside my window right here.
0: <laughs> Must be, dude. Must be.